heavy that you signed up for it. So if you open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, starting at verse 17. I'd like to thank you all for your prayers last week as I was like very sick. <laughs> it was, it, I went through the whole house, uh, at, well, not the whole house, but slowly worked through, but, uh, I, it was amazing. It was like, I was thinking how cool it was like God, um, sustained that morning. Um, and, and it was fun to think about the fact that everyone was in prayer. So thank you for that. Um, kind of helping endure through, um, challenging little Sunday morning here. So today I feel great for now. Uh, <laughs> everything can change pretty quickly. No, uh, open up your Bibles. Like I said, say first Corinthians chapter seven, verse 17. Uh, we're going through a series called run to win, uh, through first Corinthians and, and getting rid of the, the snares and the things that are holding us back from walking with God, from being what we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, uh, all the chains removed so we can follow Jesus wholeheartedly. So, um, Paul's been going through some real serious stuff, uh, been very straightforward with it. Uh, no, hasn't pulled any punches. Remember he knows this church. Well, he was, he established it. He's, you know, was there for a year and a half. And so he's addressing issues. Uh, we get the benefit of being able to see it and, apply it to our own church, our own community, our own, you know, the things we're dealing with and the, uh, the advice and the application still stands today. So, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy spirit. God, that you would, um, give us ears to hear and eyes to see that would be full, Lord, of your spirit, God. Just, we, we trust you, Lord, to, to move and to change our hearts where they need to be changed. To convict where we need conviction. To encourage where we need encouragement. Uh, we just pray that you would do it this morning. So we uh, pray you go before us. And um, God, that you just be glorified and honored in this place and this morning. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember, the first part of uh, chapter 7 was dealing with marriage. Um, it, should I, what happens if I'm married uh, to an unbeliever? Can I just ditch them, you know? Or what happens, you know, if you're not married? What happens if you are married? Should you, you know, is it better to not be married? Is it better to be married? Lots of different issues that they were going through. Uh, what about being married but not living like you're married? Because that was the spiritual thing, right? It was either in, in Corinth, it was either full-blown like s- sexual immorality or, you know, we're so holy we aren't even going to have sex in our marriage, which was both twisted and tweaked and legalistic. And so they asked Paul some real pointed questions and he's just giving them the goods, telling them basically whatever you are, be that thing to the, to the glory of God. So if you're married to an unbeliever, don't be the one that's going to ditch on them. You know, that your good conduct, that your life may win them to Christ. They'd have a first hand, you know, ticket to watch you live out being a Christian. Uh, if you're not married, then don't worry about it. Like you don't have to be married. And we kind of talked about that too. There's no shame in being single. There's no shame in being married. They're both callings in a sense, right? 
Because the culture sometimes can twist that up. Well, not being married is, is definitely more spiritual or being married is more spiritual. You know, this is all based on calling what God's called you to do. Verse 17 kind of ties that up and then we'll continue on. He says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches, wherever you are at, continue in that. This is just so much like mankind, right? Like we're so fickle. Like as soon as I get to this thing, then everything's going to be good, right? We we, we always like that. As soon as it's the weekend, it's going to be good, you know? We're almost there, you know, we're, we almost made it to Friday, you know, like then, as soon as that, then life will be complete. And then, you know, you get that feeling on like Sunday night that is just, you know, like horrible, right? Especially when you, if you're a kid in school, you're just like, oh no, I know what tomorrow is, you know, tomorrow is Monday. And, and even when you are lucky enough to have a three day weekend, nowadays kids have like five day weekends, right? They're like, oh, you just take just... We don't have any money for schooling, so just, you know, don't go for the next couple weeks. And, you know, but even if you've got an extended day, it's almost like it's more painful to go back. And so instead of it being like the night before, say Christmas vacation, you're like, I only got one week left. And so you're so busy looking at what's coming up and what's ahead. You miss out on where you're at. And really, the fruit is always right there where you're at. That's where it's getting produced. That's where all the work is being done. You've never really done anything in the future right now, have you? No, the future will be the present at that time. You can't really do much about the past to a certain extent, right? It is what it is. You can't live in the past very well, you know? It's not like you want to go back to your old high school and wear your old, like, football jersey and, like, walk around and you're like mid thirties or whatever. Yeah. You're coming in there and they're just like, Oh, what's up, man? Yeah. I played ball. And they're like, Oh, this is weird. You know, I think you're my dad's age. You know, that can't be, <laughs> it's not, it's not, that's not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live in the present where we're at. And there's been, I've noticed personally, there's been many times in my life where I've been in situations that were like, maybe not ideal in my mind, but they were the most fruitful seasons of my life, right? Difficult d- things. The times you would call like the small, the little things. But being faithful in those seasons were essential to the next seasons that were coming up. And it's important that you don't just do it for the next seasons. You do it because it is what's in front of you and God has called you where you're at. And this really frees up the whole weekend mentality, Right? Of like, oh, someday I'll be able to do it. Someday I'll be able to serve. Someday I'll be able to be that person that can uh, go out and, and affect things and do things and volunteer, you know. It's funny, like, no matter what you think you're going to get at that next level, something else comes in and takes that ability you think you would have away, right? Maybe you've, before you, you've gotten a pay raise, and like you're like, oh, I got a $2 an hour pay raise. You're like... All this money I'm going to have put into savings, you know, for my $2 extra an hour I get. Or maybe it's $5 extra an hour. And you're like, I am so rich. Like, this is unbelievable, you know. And you're like, this, this money is going to go. And you're like thinking, like, if I put it in here and if I put it in every single month, then you know, I'll probably end up putting more in. 
as time goes on, you know. And if I do this all right, I'll end up with, you know, $500,000 in the bank by the time I'm 65, you know, or whatever. But what ends up happening, you get another job and you're like, well, I could afford to get that. And so you end up in the exact same position you were in before, right? Because you think, oh, yeah, once I get there, everything's going to change. Once I get there, everything's going to change. If you can't do it now, you can't do it then. That's just the fact of the matter. It's like, if you can't do what you need to do now, you get, so th- it's, this is all we have is today. Tomorrow's promise to no one. So you think, oh, when my kids get a little older, it'll be easier. No, probably not. There will be new things that will come in that you didn't see that would be coming into your path. There'll be new challenges. There'll be new hard things that are going to come. Oh, once I get married, it's going to be easier to serve the Lord. Actually, we're going to talk about that. Maybe not, right? Oh, once I have kids, it'll be easier, easier to serve the Lord. Now, now you're crazy. You're insane. You know, you lost it. But he's saying, I, God has distributed each one uh, to each one as the Lord has called each one. So let him walk. Like, just do what you've been called to do. Was anyone uh, called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Now, really what this is speaking to, this is a cultural thing, right? Because it's kind of hard to uncircumcise something. Anyway, um, this is, this, but this is a mindset of thinking, oh, no, I got to be like that. Or, oh, no, I got to be like this. He's like, none of that stuff matters. What really matters is keeping the commands of God. Like following God is what matters. We always think it's like the other stuff, right? You, it's like the, always the other things I need. Oh, if, if, I, if I did that, then it would be good. You know, it's funny. One of the first things I learned when, when I actually got to be blessed enough to start working and do ministry as a job was that it is just as difficult to do ministry there as it was before in a lot of ways. And I was involved in ministry before I was in ministry. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes any sense. And then there was a season where I was no longer in full-time ministry. (laughs) Whoa, sorry. Back in the workflow and just working normal job, and I realized there was a great abundance of man people to, to talk to, to to witness to, to minister to that are hurting where they're at in this despised season that I must get out of. Ah, oh, yeah, this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I was called to do. And he's like, "Oh, look around. You're called wherever you're at." This is where impact really. Happens, and honestly, this is where life makes sense. This is where you're not just like, what is life about? You know, we're like, oh yeah, we have Jesus. So life's about Jesus. You're like, but, but you get so sucked up and consumed by the daily stuff and, 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 it, and it weighs on you. And, and we, before we know it, we're living for vacations and, and we're living for weekends and we're living for, oh, just that next season when it gets a little easier. <laughs> Before we had Hazel, our third child, life had gotten quite easy for us. Cannon and Violet were the two little buddies. They were like a year and nine months apart. And they just, we took them to Colorado when Violet was two. We just like, let's go. And she's like, cool. And she's just sitting there the whole way, drove like 15 hours and she's chill, you know. 
And then we brought Hazel into the picture and it was chaos unleashed on the house again. A baby that rocked all of our worlds. And we're like, we just can't wait to get to that next season to where she's that age and everything's good. And we can go on vacations and drives and da, 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 da. In the meantime, God's saying, no, this is the season you need to learn, to grow, to be in. And to be invested in. Because, you know, how often do things go as planned? Right? Not very often at all. <laughs> But we're called wherever we're at to, to honor God with what he's asked us to do wherever we're at. Think about Paul and the impact that that has when you see someone living the way like for God wherever they're at. And, they're, and it's not just like a circumstances because you're like, oh, I saw this preacher on TV and, and he's got a jet. And you're like, well, that's cool. Um, I think serving God sounds pretty fun if you get a jet, right? You know? But then you see the Apostle Paul, where was he at? He was in prison. (laughs) And what was he doing? Singing songs and hymns to God in prison. I'm going to be where I'm at. And I'm going to continue to trust God in this season and recognize that there's something beautiful happening here. There's this this guy I knew somewhat. I I knew him throughout the years because... He was in a band with one of my friends, but his daughter just went through this gnarly uh, thing where her heart was dying on her. You may have known who she is. Her name is Rowan. She's all over in social media. But um, they are both down believers. Man, the, the, the parents are just absolutely down believers. And they have been so open and honest and transparent and decided to glorify God as their four-year-old is seemingly looks like she's dying and ended up needing a heart transplant. And they've struggled and you've been able to see some of those struggles throughout the time. And, and, uh, what the impact of that has been is where they are, they are being used to minister to people in the same hospital they are in. And many have come to know Christ through that experience. A struggle, oh my gosh. Like no one is going to sign up for that ministry. No one wants that ministry. But to think I'll serve God again when things are good, it's never going to get us anywhere. Because things may never be good. You know what I mean? But it's never, it's always a good time to serve him wherever you're at. It's not like saying, oh, you know what, daughter, you deal with this. I'm going to the church. I'm going to go, you know, hand out tracts. No, no, that's not what that is. It's just being available wherever you're at to be used, to reach out to not just you're in pain. You have connection with the living God and you can bring that into a unit that is full of sorrow. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road for us. But he says, let each one, verse 20, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. I love the way he says this. Do not be concerned about it. Yeah, if you can be free, be free, man. I'm not telling you you should stay a slave because, oh, man, I'm just going to stay a slave and keep beating my back and follow Jesus. But if you are a slave, if even if you are in that rough of a position as a slave, you can still honor and glorify God. Don't be concerned about it. What this really kind of gets down to, and this is, this is like where we find like our true understanding of like what this whole following Jesus thing is all about, is that we are living for eternity. 
And if you're not living for eternity, you are going to be really bummed out a lot. If you don't see that it's for eternity, you're going to find that this world doesn't make sense like you want it to. And the dreams you may have thought were coming, they haven't come like you thought they would. God is so faithful and he blesses us beyond belief. But if you're living for this, God's like, I can't let you think that's what this is about. There's no satisfaction here because we're not made for here. We're made for something else. That's why when you find yourself living for things like vacations or weekends, they don't do what you thought they would do, right? You're like, I had a great time, but I don't know. (laughs) I, I just, it wasn't what I thought. I don't know. And now I'm back and I think I'm more mad. I want to find a job that is a vacation or is there that job, you know, can I be like a, an ambassador for a hotel company? You know, I'm just going to go check out all the hotels and tell everyone this was nice. This free food was good anyway. But he says, don't be a a slave on purpose, but don't stress about where you are. God is looking for you to be faithful. Remember how it works. You're faithful with what first, the, the small things, right? And what happens when you're faithful with the small things? It gives you more, right? What does more look like? Oh, okay. (laughs) That's where it starts getting tricky, right? But the key is to be faithful where you are. And so for every single person in here, there's application. Where are you? Yes, there. (laughs) No, but you don't mean that part. Yes, that part. The one that you don't want to be faithful. That's the one that's most important to be faithful in right now. Because God has put you there to be a witness. If you're not supposed to ditch out on an unbelieving spouse, oh, this is just not working out. No, you are here for a good reason. You're there. Be a witness. Let your conduct be clear and and, and let let them know what, what you're really about. They could be saved through it. Verse 22, for he... Who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Meaning, you're not, this present world and situation should not alter our higher calling. You know? It doesn't matter. This world, even if, if, if you're a slave, you're really not. <laughs> you're his. And if you think you're free, you really, you, you don't understand that you're a slave for Christ. Like you are a bondservant for him. Because you were bought with a price. If somebody paid something for some, they, they have earned that thing, right? Like they bought that thing. You got to give it to them. Like, you know, oh, I, we were, uh, after the game, we went to In-N-Out, right, Jacob? And someone was buying a truck right next to us. And I was like, it was blowing my mind that they had all the cash sitting out on the table. I could not believe why they were doing this. And this guy's young son is there and they're just counting cash. And I'm like, oh, I'm from San Bernardino. Like you don't, and it was the Vista one, you know? So I feel like even Emerald, man, you got to, anyway, and just sitting there and there's cash on the table and there, he counts it like 10 times. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> anyway, it all worked out. Right. But imagine all that money goes down and you're like, oh, okay, you, have, you know, here's all your money. It's everything you've asked for. And there you go. And then he's like, oh, well, you can't have the truck. I actually just don't want to sell that truck. We're like, but you already gave you the money. I don't care. (laughs) It's all good. Thank you. 
I appreciate that. No, I'm good. Well, I'm not good because I paid for this. It was bought. There was a price that was agreed upon and it was bought. Well, how great of a price was paid for your salvation? Blood on the cross. So you're bought with a price. You're not your own. But you know what that means is that we are not slaves to people. That should be good news to you, right? Because what's the world's trying to do, right? What is this, this demonic run world trying to do? Satan's trying to make you as ineffective as possible. Take, take away all your uh, excitement for serving God. Make you want to just kick back and relax and not rock too many boats. Not really do much of anything, actually. And just let you kind of slowly rot out. You're like, yeah, I was a Christian and, and I knew it. No one else knew it, but I knew it. You know, me and the big guy, we got a thing going on here. So he wants that to happen, right? And, and to fully take away the power of the church, what you were really called to do. And to be enslaved to the thoughts and the, um, what people think of you. That's the other thing. Right? We can be controlled by people. That's one of the things you, you want to try and instill in your children. Don't be scared of the bullies. They don't own you. Right? They are working on a they are trying to make you fear. And if you give that to them, they will never give it back. And they will use you and they will abuse you. Remember my dad telling me that. You can't let that happen to you. Because that's not who you are, right? It can't happen to you. So you got to know who you are so that they can't control you like that. And you're like, well, this sounds very fleshly, right? <laughs> but the fact of the matter remains, like, this world will try to control you. will try to enslave you. We are not to be enslaved to men. And so even, even in a spiritual sense, there's, there's like this like, blind obedience that is not good. You see me go off the rails, bail. Got it? You know, like, Lord, please. Actually, pray don't do that. Okay. But I'm just saying all that to say, like, there's no, (laughs) there's no, there's no allegiance that we should have that's greater than following God. It's, It's him. Follow me as I follow Christ. Great. That's awesome. I'm down. Disagreement about something that's marginal. That's, you shouldn't be freaked out about that. But don't follow men blindly and don't be enslaved by them. Spurgeon had a quote, said, do not follow even good men slavishly. Do not say I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Calvin. I am of Wesley. Did Calvin redeem you? Did Wesley die for you? Who is Calvin and who is Wesley? But ministers by whom ye believed as the Lord gave unto you. Do not so surrender yourself to any leadership that you rather follow the man than his master. I will follow anybody if he goes Christ's way, but I will follow nobody by the grace of God if he does not go in that direction. Ultimately, we are, our, our, our hearts, our souls belong to him. And so it it should be very freeing to know, even if you feel inadequate, that is the world trying to make you feel that way because Jesus tells you who you are, that you have worth, that you have value, that you are made in in his image, you're his workmanship created for good works. So if you feel inadequate, that is the world telling you that. 
You are a masterpiece to him. And you have a specific purpose to be lived out, not years down the road, right now. So enjoy your freedom. You are free from what anybody else says. That's the best thing you could possibly come to. Is like when you, people like say stuff and you're like, I don't care what you say. That's if once you get there, no, there's no more control. I know who I am. I understand my identity. It's found in Jesus. So you might not like, you know, what Jesus is doing with me. It doesn't matter. It's not for you. Okay. I, and I maybe don't like what is going on. It's not, that's not, doesn't matter. You've been bought with a price and you are, uh, his redeemed, just new creation that he wants to do good things through. Brethren, let each, verse 24, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. Remember, with God. <laughs> That's the part, the key words. With God. Let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. <clears throat> it's not just like, okay, well, the state I'm in now is misery, so I'll just sit here and stay in misery. Or the state I'm in now is, you know, um, I, I'm just depressed. I'm just not where I'm supposed to be. Okay, whatever. You know, there's seasons that are hard, that are difficult. But it's with God in that season. The key is looking to him in that season. Wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, looking to him in the season you're in. So, with God. He says, now concerning virgins... I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Virgins would be those, male or female, who are unmarried. That's kind of like the idea here and what he's speaking about. He says, I have no commandment from the Lord, but yet here's my judgment that I feel like the Lord has given me that you can take, you know, and and, uh, chew around. He says, I suppose, therefore, that it is good, that this is good because of the present distress That it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. It's a very simple advice. He's like, basically, don't try and rationalize your way out of being where you are. Like, don't try anything. Oh, you know what? This is a specific example, so I, I can get out. I can ditch, you know, the thing I'm involved in. Or, or, no, I really, I do need to get here. I need to get there. I think it's important, he says here, that the, because of the present distress, it's important to understand at this time, they were under heavy persecution, right? And one of the, the hardest things to deal with would be family in persecution. That's difficult, right? So I think Paul sees that, and he sees... You also got to take this, this into account. Paul is writing this. And so there's always going to be, like for me personally, or whoever you listen to, you read their books or whatever, there is always going to be a little bit of a, I guess, a bias towards the way I speak about things I'm deeply convicted about. Because I'm passionate about that, right? And you try and temper it like, okay... No, I'm not, not, it's not that one's bad or one's good. It's just I really think this is the better way. And I know why I think this is the better way. And I, and I, I definitely, Paul, you can see that. If you're called to being, you know, single, celibate, all of that, then you got an amazing ability to serve God. I've seen it many times. People who are 
unbelievably just, they're so just dialed in. They're serving. They're a blessing to those around them because they're single and they're, they're just, they have time and they have, you know, whatever resources and, and they can disciple younger believers. And they're like, I just want to get married. I just want to get married. Oh, I just want to get married. And then finally, bam, there's a woman, they get married or a guy and they get married and they're like being married. Ain't that what I thought it would be, you know? And you're like, man, remember when I used to be single, you know? And you're like, I remember you crying about wanting to be married all the time. But that's the thing is like, don't just think you need to do it because you need to do it. Be where you're at. Be, you know, and, and, and use the time you have. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not really willing to, to say I don't ever want to be married. That doesn't matter. The season you're in right now. Don't go seeking and weighing, going way out there, whatever. Just do what you're supposed to do now with what you have, the resources you have around you now, today. Those of you who are married, that's not a bad thing. I, like I said before, I'm a better person married. Trust me. Much better, you know. There's a lot of edges have been rubbed off. Maybe some of you remember uh, before. <laughs> Being married is not bad. Being single is not bad. But thinking that you need to be one or the other, neglecting what you are now is bad. Like thinking, oh, if, I, if only I was this, life would be good. That's just not where you're supposed to be. This is that what's where, never where we're supposed to be. He says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. And you, the wives are like, what? <laughs> so if you act, and let's just stop right there. That's the end of the study, right? So if you, those who have wives act like you have none. See ya. <laughs> I'm going to go do some stuff, you know, be back when I'm back, you know. Ow, what am I? I don't even have to tell you that. <laughs> You're not here. Those who weep as though they do not weep. Those who rejoice as they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Again, this is a season of heavy persecution. He's saying like, your responsibility here on earth is huge. Like if you're married. Like you are supposed to love your spouse with everything you have. You're supposed to like, you know, give them and and love them, but, but you're supposed to love God more. And one of the unfortunate and and, uh, hard things is that it's easy to put your family a little higher than you put God. He's like, no, you can't do that either. Like you, they will be a big part of it. And you're called to love them as Christ loved the church, but you're called to love God more. So you recognize that in the season, like that you got to put things away when things get real, you, it all comes down to like the basics. What are we really all about? Like, yeah, I'm not going to let this stuff take out what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm called to do. Sometimes this world enslaves us into thinking it's our best investment, like the very best investment you can make, right? It is not. Like investing into this world is like the, it's, you, you can gain a lot from investing, being a smart investor, money wise and all that stuff. And that's, that's great. We are supposed to be wise like that. But the best investment you can make is, is eternal investment, right? Something that's going to go long term. 
It's going to go beyond this. So if all you're doing is focusing on this world, you will reap here. And it's actually going to be sad because you're going to be like, this is it. This is all I got. Like, this is all that I got out of it. So verse 34, there's a difference between uh, a wife. We got, we're going through quite a bit here, but you know, you're sticking with me. If you haven't noticed, this book is difficult, and I've mentioned it before. <laughs> so there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Again, he's saying it's not a bad thing that you're married. It's just a reality that you will have more time to give if you're not. Right? That's just a reality. Right? It's like you have, and then you have kids. It's a reality. You'll have less time in the day. They will take it up. Especially if you're being a good parent. If you're not, then you're like, well, actually, I'm not a good parent or a good husband. I've noticed a difference, you know, serving God, not really paying attention to them. Well, you'll reap later some other things for that, but uh, don't do that either. But he's saying it's just not a bad thing. It's just a reality. And then, um, uh, yeah, verse 36, he says, but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, which be like a, uh, their child, a man and his child, uh, because a lot of it was arranged marriages. If she's past the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. It's like, okay, time to marry you off. He's, the idea is it's not bad to be married. It's not bad to be unmarried. Neither one is bad. Paul's saying, I see benefits to being single. But I don't see benefits to being single if you're burning with passion. And it's causing you to stumble into sin. That's not good. So he's really going through like the whole, anyway, the whole gambit. Verse 37, nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. This is again, his perspective on this. And, and in light of the present circumstances, like, because persecution's real, every generation since Jesus ascended into heaven believed that they were the last generation to ever live on this earth, right? Every generation has that, right? Where we all, this is it. Here comes the rapture. Here comes, you know, this is the one. And, and of course, we are only getting closer, right? Like, we're only getting closer as we go. But that there is an urgency that Paul sees to this. And again, Paul wasn't like the guy who shows up on Sunday, you know, and just kind of chills out and then, then leaves. Paul was hardcore, right? He's like, I was shipwrecked. I was in prison. I was, I ain't bringing a wife with me for that. You know, she is not going to like that very much. I don't think unless Paul gets like some girl that's just like him. And then, she, and then maybe he's not going to like how gnarly she is. He's like, you're getting me in trouble. You know, but you got more to think about, right? I heard this was interesting. I was listening to a message on this section and, and uh, the pastor was, was talking about how you might be willing to face persecution personally and be like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. I'll never, you know, turn my back on Jesus. 
do whatever you need to do to me. But now what about when that's your child in front of you? What, what, what do you do when it's them or your wife or your husband, if you're, you know, it becomes more painful, a little more, you know, pulling at you. So you can understand, especially in the world that they lived in, Paul was in and out of prison. He was beat more times than we could, you know, you probably note. I mean, it was, it was gnarly what he was going through. So he has this kind of perspective. And so he says, um, a wife is, uh, a wife is bound by law, uh, as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Again, he's answering questions from a letter they had written to, to him from Corinth, uh, about certain issues. But he says, just, so you know, if a wife is bound by law, as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she can remarry. She has that liberty to do that. Notice what he says at the end of it, only in the Lord. (laughs) So don't just remarry. Remarry someone that is like godly, someone that is equally yoked, someone that is going to be able to help you and encourage you along the way. But he says, but she is happier if she remains as she is. According to my judgment, he says, according to my judgment, again, we get a glimpse, I think of Paul's first marriage, um, in this, (laughs) he's like, it's better to be single. Um, (laughs) plus he's following Jesus hardcore where he's at. He says, and I think also I have the spirit of God, but he's saying she's happier if she remains as she is meaning like, again, the life of serving unhindered. Now it's, I think it's important to point out that this idea of a life serving unhindered is a bit of a like perfect world scenario, right? (laughs) If you're single and you're just constantly just depressed about being single, then it's not probably going that way. And to a certain extent, right. Or, or you know that you need to be, it's maybe not going that way. And just because maybe you are called to being single and you are okay with that doesn't necessarily mean that you're spending your time right. That you're using what's been given to you. And one of the other things we know is being married, there is an absolute un, like strengthening of a threefold cord, right? Man, woman, honoring God with their life. There's a strength to that too. So there's, there's lots of different ways you can take it. But the main thing is, is that wherever you are at, whatever season you are in, whether it's now or, or for the rest of your life, serve God there. Like now, here. You should say, serve God here. Not there, because there, there is over there. I'll serve God when I'm over there. No, it's here. It's now. You know, and, and sometimes you, you can get so caught up and I I've done it before where I'm like, I got to go do this so I can go do like ministry stuff. I can't be in this long conversation with this person pouring out their life to me right now. And you're like, that's what was the thing you had to do? You know, what were you going to go do? Uh, oh, I had to go, uh, set up a room for something. Oh yeah. That sounds like ministry. And the person who's pouring their life out to you doesn't right. Yeah. It's where you're at. It's anyway, it's always more convenient in your mind in the future, but God brings it here and now. So we're always aware and awake being, being 
ready for anything that comes your way. Think about it like that. Like, there, you know, and, and even we have the warnings about who Satan is and how he is this lion that's looking who he can take out. You're alert. You're aware. You're looking around. You know where you're at. You recognize things when they come. You see, that's a spiritual attack. That's not normal. Someone just that you just that just came here and that was spiritual. And it's not about you. It's it's that is demonic. Or there's something that comes in your life. It's a struggle and and you see it for what it is. You're like, this is a trial. Trials don't last forever. This is this is a trip, you know, something we're going to go through. It's not going to be like this exactly forever. And if I honor God in this, he is going to use it. And if I can somehow not just honor God, but worship him through it, he can maybe even use it more. So wherever you're at, if it's like, you know, our family feels like we feel like we've been sick for like um, two months straight or something, you know. And by the way, it's raining every day, it seems like, right? Like, when did this become Portland, you know? I thought that we were never going to get water here again. Thank you, God. This is great. But I think we got enough right now at this point, you know, like we can... Are the cisterns full? You know, I, I can't imagine. It's like, anyway. Maybe you think you wanted to live in Portland. You did not, right? Or you wanted to live in Seattle. No, actually, I like California. I like rain once a year, you know, for five or six hours and then clears up. But you're called to live and to minister and to be aware and to be use what you've got in front of you to the best of your ability in the rainy season in the sick season in the not getting any sleep newborn season these are all seasons that God teaches you great things we love the mountaintop experiences but growths in the valley right the mountaintop experiences gives you enough to get through the valley. And what happens? Fruit. There's fruit. The fruit is born in the valley, in the struggle, in the, hard, the hardness of the seasons. But if you keep on living your life, even through the hardness of seasons, you're not looking to Jesus, you're missing it. And you're just going through it for no reason. Look to him. Let him use all this stuff as, a, as this beautiful, like, carving, you know, like where he can use it to mold and shape and burn off impurities and grow you into some, so you can be faithful, so you can go on to the next step and the next level and, and be used again. And, and you'll find that Monday is just as fruitful as Saturday and just as good, maybe more so. But every day belongs to the Lord. You know, you say, okay, well, the Sabbath. No, every day is his. Every experience, every place you, you put your feet, he wants to use you there. And that's how we, we get it. This is how the world sees us. They go, oh, you go to church on Sunday. Oh, me too. You know, cool. So yeah, Sunday. We could talk about God on Sunday. Cool, sounds good. You know, it's like beyond that. Move beyond that. We got, um, it's the first of the first Sunday of the month. So we always have a communion available. And I feel like it's always at a great time, you know, <laughs> To come before him again and remember that you were bought with a price. You know, Jesus, he, he gave it all for us.
And that's what is represented right there in that grape juice and those crackers, you know. (laughs) It's representing his blood and his body, his blood that was shed for us, his body that was broken for us, so that we can have newness of life in him. And we aren't slaves to anything this world throws at us. So no matter what the situation you're in, God can use it. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. But we get just to put our eyes on him fresh and anew. And that's the whole point, doing this in remembrance of him getting our eyes back on Jesus. Like, oh yeah, that was more than just like, I get to go to heaven one day, like my final stamp in my passport. It's, it's now, it's here. So uh, we're going to have the worship team come back up and, and uh, play a couple more songs. And I encourage you to come up and, and each person come up, grab, grab your own and take it back to your seat. Spend some time with the Lord and, and just uh, maybe refocus to him. And maybe, I don't know, if there's stuff you got to confess before him, that's cool. Like, man, there's nothing better than, than uh, being able to lay it all out before him and be honest and real before your Savior, telling him everything he already knows, <laughs> but being able to uh, repent and to lay it all back down at his feet again and, and uh, to, again, offer your body for him as a living sacrifice. So, um, Let's pray and we'll worship God. We thank you so much for your body and your blood that makes any of the ability to make it anyway. A lot of times you get stuck in your head and you go, oh my gosh, Lord, how is this going to work? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do all these things. And you start getting in your mind. You're like, oh, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, if I do that, uh, I got to manage, I got to manipulate, I got to, I don't know how to handle all these things. And you go, oh yeah, God's there too, huh? Maybe I'll just honor him, see what happens, you know. And he's like, oh, oh good, because I have no problems with any of this stuff. So just, just trust me. I've got you. I'll control, I, I, it's all under control. So don't try and make your life your own again, because you're not good at handling it or managing it. Trust me. So that means taking the stuff that is so near and dear to you. is like, let go of this stuff so God can have more access and control of your life. Will you ever regret that decision? Never. Will it always be super easy? No. But you will never regret allowing God to have all of you and to giving up things that are holding you back, that are stopping you from just that running to win. That's coming up soon. You're like, man, we are called to to fly, to go. We have those Red Bull wings. Don't sue me because I said fly, you know. I don't know. We're not, what's heaven going to look like? Are we flying? I don't know. You know, whatever. It'd be kind of cool. I'm not, no promises, though. You know, you can't sue me in heaven. I don't think you can sue in heaven anyway. I'm guessing from these texts. 100%. You can't. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, it's just like, man, we just allow God that full range of your heart, your mind, your body. Remember Paul speaking to them. Remember what he said a couple chapters ago. I, you guys can have a bunch of teachers in your life. I'm your spiritual father. I love you. I want you guys to be free. Don't let this stuff take you out. Don't let it pull you down. Don't let it become your identity. Don't let it become your life. Follow Jesus. Give him full access. And then you can run to win. All those weights and all those snares and chains just fall off. Be able to run to win with with a clean conscience before God, seeking him, honoring him. So let's pray for that. God, we are so um, 
it's heavy. It's so heavy. We how easy it is to get caught up, and we know that because we're humans and we experience these things. So God, help us to to actually take real inventory in our life. Even as it says that list of of things that are are so prevalent in our culture and in every culture of mankind. Help us to look at those things and not look at the things that we see in others, that we'd see the things that are, man, that 